Hey, everybody, and welcome back on the Macro Compass. First of all, a warm thank you to the many subscribers who secured their spot to continue this macro learning journey together in 2023 by signing up to the premium products. As a reminder, from January 1st, getting access to all this content and much, much more we will deliver will require a paid subscription. As a loyal subscriber, you can sign up now and get access to the TMC services for the entire 2023 with a very good and limited offer. You'll pay only eight months instead of 12. This offer, though, is limited in time and in spots available. You have until November the 30th to be amongst the only and first 2,000 subscribers who will exclusively benefit from this offer. Already, more than 1,000 spots have been taken. If you want to be part of the Macro Compass and take advantage of this exclusive offer, you can check at the top of the article a button that says, Get Me In, and there you will find more information on which tiers are available so you can find a subscription tier that best suits your needs. Now, to the article itself for this week. The bond market is talking, and the question is, are we listening? There have been some quite interesting moves happening behind the surface in fixed income. Before we start, the bond market is often wrong. Yes, guys, that's correct. Many believe that fixed income investors have some sort of esoteric power that allows them to always have an edge in anticipating how macro conditions will evolve. The reality is different. Understanding the signals that the bond market send across their many dimensions is not like looking into a macro crystal ball, but instead it's a very useful exercise because the bond market is the big and most biggest and most liquid asset class in the world. Now, if you want to get a better shot at piecing together this very complex and dynamic global macro puzzle we always face in front of us every day, you'd better make sure that your instruction manual is good. Well, think about it. The bond market is your instructional manual. And that's why it's incredibly important to understand how it behaves and interpret its moves across its many dimensions, which it, it will be exactly what we will do in this article. We will assess the current state of the US bond markets with a particular focus on three interesting dimensions, curve slopes, implied volatility, and implied path for federal funds rates. And we will then discuss portfolio allocations, and trade ideas. So over the last 30 days, a lot has happened under the surface in bond markets. And it's not as simple as saying, yeah, bond markets are now thinking the Fed will pivot. Let's instead look at three interesting dimensions that carry a lot of informational value. And we will do that starting from the market implied path for Fed funds. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, I invite you to have a look at the article itself because there is a screenshot of the rates section of my volatility adjusted market dashboard, which is one of the interactive tools that will be available to paid subscribers in 2023. But it's very important to have a look at it now to be able to follow and understand what I'm about to say. So the rate section of the volatility dashboard uh, shows the many dimensions of the bond market. It color codes moves based on their magnitude. So the darker the color, the bigger the move in standard deviation terms and we know what to focus on. One of the areas is indeed the market implied path for Fed funds. Now, the main message is that the bond market is getting around this idea that the Fed will not massively pivot, but instead they will go for a long, very long pause. 
that's evident uh, in the forward OIS section of the volatility adjusted market dashboard that shows that market implied Fed funds have rallied significantly over the last 30 days. But if you think, if you actually put things in context, bond markets today are expecting Fed funds to peak at 4.9% in six months, and then for Fed funds to remain above 4% all the way until the end of Q1 2024. Now, as a chart I put in the article actually shows, if you look, at, if you zoom in into this 2023 Q1 2024 market implied path for Fed funds, you actually see that Fed funds are expected to be at 4.35% still by December 2023. That's 12, 14 months ahead. And you want to call this a pivot? Fed funds at 4.33%. Actually, that's rather a long pause in restrictive territory when it comes to Fed funds. So rather than a sharp pivot, investors are assigning a higher and higher probability to what I call a long pause with Fed funds well in restrictive territory for all 2023. In comparison, if you're looking for a true pivot in history, just have a look at 2001. That's the second chart in the article. 2001 is also a historical parallel that the macro compass models are strongly pointing to for what's ahead in 2023 and 2024. Back then in 2001, the Fed cut rates by 475 basis points in 12 months. Now, that's a pivot. Earnings and the labor market were materially weakening. Inflation was slowing down too. The Fed literally pivoted. And today, the bond market is instead pricing a long pause as the base case, a high probability base case, while a true pivot, 2001 style, only remains priced as a tail risk. That's what the market implied path ahead for Fed funds is telling us. The second dimension is that this stance is also reflected in implied volatilities. Now, don't get scared. It's, it's very important to look and understand these volatilities because the option market in fixed income is very large and it involves a variety of actors, hedge funds, banks, pension funds, insurances, and more. So it's an important dimension with a lot of informational value to understand. The volatility section of the rates part of the VAMD shows how the implied annualized volatility priced for the next three and 12 months across various segments of the curve is actually coming down pretty aggressively. Now, one year ahead implied volatility for two-year, five-year, and 10-year rates have recently staged very significant downward moves. Why is that the case and what does it imply actually? Now, bear with me and think about this. If the main theme is a long Fed pause, that also means that Powell's volatility around monetary policy decisions in 2023 will likely be much lower than in 2022. It's just going to be a long and predictable pause. But when there is less uncertainty around such an important market driver like Powell's decisions, investors can also marginally be a bit more aggressive in taking risks because if the bond market behaves better, this reduces some of their explosive volatility they've seen in their portfolio in 2023. And as that volatility driver dwindles down, their risk um, taking the risk, the risk exposure can actually go up on the margin. And the chart that I put in the article shows how equity investors this year got rattled by a higher and higher bond market volatility throughout 2022. But recently, as this long Fed pause narrative uh, gets embraced more and more, subsequently, there is a lower bond market volatility price for next year. And that has helped equities rally on the margin. So generally speaking, a lower bond vol equals a stronger risk appetite. Now, 
this is one of the reasons why it's important to look at bond market volatility. But on a big picture, remember, this is validating the long Fed pause narrative unfolding rather than the pivot we hear all the time about. Now, the third point is that if the Fed is seen to pause soon and also pause for a while, the yield curve can behave quite funnily. And indeed, it did so. So let's have a look at the third element, which is yield curve slopes. And again, you can see that section highlighted in the volatility adjusted market dashboard. And there have been quite some interesting moves because the yield curve flattened aggressively between the two and the five year point and the two and the 10 year point, but it also aggressively steepened between the five and the 10 year and the five and the 30 year point of the curve. So what the hell is going on there? Well, again, these uh, reinforces and it revolves around the strong consensus that investors are forming around the long Fed pause narrative. Let me explain why. So if the economy is slowing down, but Powell keeps insisting on setting monetary policy, looking in the rearview mirror, basically waiting for core inflation to, to drop towards 2%, that's going to take a while. In the meantime, he's going to pin two-year yields at very high levels, and nobody can fight that because, after all, the Federal Reserve has a strong influence on the very front end of the curve. Now, if he does so and he pins two-year yields at high level, even if the economy is slowing down, five-year and 10-year bonds will start to reflect that growth and inflation expectations go down over the over a very long period of time. And, you know, restrictive Fed compounds its economic weakness and is going to leave some scars on the economy. And that those scars get reflected in five and 10-year bond yields, which are indeed lower. That results in a very sharp flattening of the yield curve. And the 10-year, two-year yield curve slope just broke the 2000 lows. And it's probably heading to the Volcker era levels unless the Fed really backs down. But how come the curve is steepening then between five years and 30 years, between 10 years and 30 years? So why is the very long end of the yield curve steepening? That's because the bond market is not pricing a true recession. What the bond market is pricing is a marked economic slowdown, yes, not a true recession. This slowdown to be coupled with the Fed on hold in 2023, but maybe easing a bit into 2024 to try and gently accompany the slow recovery coming thereafter under the assumption that the economy doesn't fall off a cliff and that the Fed actually tries to accommodate a tiny bit in 2024, actually this might help a return to slightly decent, more decent growth. And in the long term, 30 years, curves can actually steepen up a bit. So the five to 30 year curve actually steepens. But looking at the big picture, I want to repeat how the two stands are more inverted today than in 2000. And if the Fed doesn't really back off, we could be heading to Volcker era inversion levels. Now, we have talked about the three main dimensions of market implied Fed funds, implied volatilities in bond market, and curve slopes across different segments. What does it all mean for portfolios at the end of the day? So we are, we are basically talking about the bond market embracing one strong high probability narrative which is a long Fed pause in 2023, not a pivot yet. This will be accompanied according to bond market pricing by an economic slowdown, but not a real recession that actually will require some mild accommodation in 2024. If we look at this status of the bond market, and then we look at what the equity markets are pricing, the equity markets are priced under the assumption that the slowdown will be even milder the earnings per share in the S&P in 2023 is priced to grow at 5%. And lower bond market volatility, coupled with what has been a very seasonal, typical institutional behavior, has spurred a rally in equities to 4,000, roughly, in the S&P 500. 
Now, the macro compass indicates that the combination of this pricing in the bond market and this relative pricing in the equity market is not a high probability outcome in 2023. Let me tell you why. After an unprecedented tightening of monetary and fiscal impulses in 2022, and such a dramatic slowdown, a freeze in the housing market effectively in 2022, macro compass models are pointing to a macro base case that encompasses these four main points. A disinflationary recession in the US to become even more acute in the second half of next year. Earnings per share in the S&P 500 to drop by 15%. US unemployment rate to rise towards 6% in the next 15 to 18 months core inflation to stabilize and sit around 4% until mid of next year, and then to rapidly drop in the second half of next year. Now, in a long-only ETF portfolio, if you have the one that I just talked about as your base case macro environment, this validates a defensive allocation. It's tilted towards cash, bonds, and defensive equity sectors, for instance, healthcare or utilities, and it doesn't prefer cyclical equity exposure or valuation expensive equity exposure. This ETF portfolio, by the way, will be available in details to subscribers in January and cover all investable ETFs from all major jurisdictions, including Europe, UK, and et cetera. When it comes to tactical trades, I am running one tail trade, which delivers a very positive and convex payoff if the Fed is indeed forced to cut in a similar fashion to 2001, which is the historical parallel that the macro compass prefers for the time being. It's basically a proxy long two to three year bond trade, which could be replicated by a two year treasury futures, SHY ETF, the short term one to three year bond ETF in the US. I have not entered the next position yet, but I'm eyeing it very closely, which is a short on the real estate sector of the equity market, especially if this bear market rally would extend. I listed several ETFs as well in the article that could be used as proxies to be short the real estate market next year. In the article, you can also see all my open and closed trades and my year-to-date track record as well on the tactical portfolio. This was it for today, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the piece, make sure to click the like button, share it with friends if you like, and don't forget to go and check out the offer, which is available limited in time and in spots to subscribe to the, to the premium product of the Macro Compass next year. I'll talk to you next week, guys.